um one thing that i keep forgetting to bring up that i've missed like now that we're on episode is this 10 that we're gonna do now um this is 10 yeah uh we forgot to commemorate our 100th episode of this american horror story which i think was episode one of this season this season yeah yeah that is that is crazy i mean it shows how many episodes i mean hey we're in we're up to 110 or something yeah Right, right, and of the total seasons of the show, so the upcoming twenty twenty one season is episode, is season ten, right? Mm-hmm, right. Nineteen eighty four season nine. So, it's it's pretty crazy that the show has been on for as long as it has, and we've done as many episodes as we have. Wow! Uh, thanks for to all the all the listeners who've hung with us or discovered us. And I mean, it's funny when you hear people who have come in and like they started listening in, you know, hotel or Roanoke or. Um, 1984 was the first one, and then they go back and listen to the old seasons. Um, I don't know. That's cool. We really, I, I appreciate that. Those are some of my favorite emails to get. Yeah. Or or messages or different things. It's it's we been have, a journey. That's for sure. We have we have some of the best fans and listeners, audience, whatever we want, whatever however they identify. <laughs> yeah, I feel like fans of this show. There's a lot of there's a lot of passion there, and just like you know, it's just people who just love some good old fashioned horror and whatever whatever shape that takes yeah um one other thing i was going to mention is that uh ryan murphy has a musical coming out on netflix that i was reading about oh is it uh, prom pretty soon yeah, yeah i know that at least has like um james corden and i think meryl streep's in it too oh, wow. um but uh yeah it's like a high school prom situation but apparently there's original music numbers so that should be kind of interesting oh i'll probably watch it I know. I'm a sucker for a good musical. We haven't gotten the <laughs> musical uh, American Horror Story episode yet, though. I guess that's interesting. We've gotten elements of it. You'd think we would have gotten one. In the yeah, Bible. although you might qualify um, uh, um, Freak Show as the closest thing possible because there was a musical number in every episode to to its detriment. <laughs> You know what would be a good theme season for that is like Haunted Theater House and they can do a whole like Phantom of the Opera thing and there could be That'd be cool. Yeah, musical a lot of musical numbers. That could be a fun one I don't think we've brought up before. Yeah. I just came up with that. <laughs> Call us Ryan. <laughs> Shall we uh begin? Let's do it. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to This American Horror Story, an unofficial podcast about the FX show American Horror Story. I am your host, Tyler Moss, here with my co-host. Chris Houston. What's up, everyone? What's up, Tyler? Hey, uh, wow, man. Episode 10 of Murder House. I feel like in this rewatch season, things are really flying by. Thanksgiving is next weekend. That's... I mean, we've talked about this before that, you know, time is a flat circle right now. So I don't even know how to express to you how this all feels. But, um, man, I'm really enjoying progressing through through the season because there are so many elements I'd forgotten. Yeah, it's picking up again. Um, we're kind of barreling to uh, an ending, which is exciting. So we're getting a lot of reveals, finally. We're finally getting to know the, the behind-the-scenes uh, stories of some of our ghosts uh, that have been around since the beginning, or some of our alive characters as well in this particular episode. So it's nice to finally be getting some of these answers uh, and some fun and some fun reveals as well. 
Absolutely. Uh, speaking of next week and Thanksgiving, obviously we have two episodes left. Uh, you and I have potentially discussed recording something like in advance that we could release on Thanksgiving Day. Um, so maybe that'll be our plan. I don't know. We can kind of play it by ear, but yeah, um, we'll yeah, we'll play it by ear. I think it's getting a little sticky out there right now. So my maybe just take the week off. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. We'll see. Um, we'll let you guys know on on our Facebook page um what's going down but as always you can reach out to us at uh with with your thoughts and your comments and your reactions all that fun stuff at uh, this american horror story at gmail.com or you can join our little community at uh facebook.com slash this american horror story um that's just kind of our you know uh gathering spot for theories and thoughts and and all that good stuff uh so before we dive into episode 10 which is uh, really terrifyingly titled Smoldering Children. <laughs> uh, as always, we should begin. Chris, what are you drinking this evening? I'm double fisting, man. I have a... Uh, <laughs> Must be a Wednesday night. <laughs> I'm hydrating with a uh, Perrier uh, sparkling water, and then I've got a glass of uh, D- Duckhorn Decoy Cabernet Sauvignon. What are you drinking? Ooh, cheers to that. I am drinking a uh, beer that a friend bought me for my birthday last week. It is from a brewery up in Burlington, Vermont. I think it's just called Burlington Brewery. Uh, But there's a pretty cool robot on the can. It's called Uncanny Valley. Um, What kind of beer is it? It's a New England IPA, so it is very juicy and orange. It looks like a bowl of orange juice. (laughs) It does. Cheers, I am down and ready to go. Cheers. (laughs) All right, so before we dive into the cold open, I wanted to note two things. Uh, This episode was written by James Wong, who I think has already written a couple episodes earlier in this exact season. And as we know, he's, you know, um, one of the main writers on multiple seasons of American Horror Story. But interesting fact here, uh, do you know director Michael Lehman is the director of this particular episode? Do you know what else he directed? I sure do. He's most famous for directing? I sure do. I think it's called The Name Game. Did he direct the name game? I wasn't even going to say that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, what were you going to say? Uh, he directed the movie Heathers. Oh. <laughs> the 1980s movie Heathers. I love that. I thought I had, I mean, I have my answer. Heathers. I didn't know he did Heathers. Wow. That's weird that he went from Heathers yeah. to horse, American Horror Story. But he also did the name game. <laughs> yeah, which is one of our favorite episodes yeah. of all time. So that's a fun fact that I didn't know. So thank you for that. <laughs> yeah, but I was going to point out he did the movie Heathers too. So that's funny. That's awesome. Um, you know, he, he's he got a vibe for kind of... Uh, Heathers, Heathers was 80s, right? That wasn't yeah. 90s. That was 80s? Yep. Yeah, yep. yeah. So, you know, maybe Ryan Murphy was a fan and he reached out to him to come and kind of be an American Horror Story contributor, which is always cool. I wish I yeah. was in a position to do that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I imagine Ryan Murphy's a huge Heathers fan. I would imagine so, too. Um, Let's dive into the cold open, back to 1994, which is a year that we have spent some time in this season. Uh, do you want to kind of walk us through the dynamic here and what exactly happens? Sure. Um, yeah, so in 1994, we're at the dinner table. Um, I don't know if it says it's Thanksgiving or not. Um, uh, but anyway, um, we're in the house and Constance brings in the dinner ham. And at the table, we've got Addie, we've got Tate and Larry. And uh, Tate says, Grace, things seem like they're really sweet between the four of them or among the four of them. And uh, in Tate's prayer, he starts kind of chastising Larry and the whole situation, calling the family a charade. Um, and essentially, he it tells us that 
or he tells us that Constance has always wanted to just get back into the house and that she doesn't really love Larry at all. Um, and they kind of all argue and stuff about Larry's affair with Constance and Tate scolds Addie for getting excited about these theater tickets that Larry was going to take the whole group to that he, that Larry bought for everyone because he, um, I think he was, he's in Brigadoon. Yeah. Brigadoon. Brigadoon. Thank you. Yeah. He was, but just in the chorus though, just in the chorus. Yeah. Um, and, but, but Tate says, Addie, don't get excited about that because don't forget Larry killed Bo and Constance says, that's not true really and then Constance says Tate you have so many gifts that, that the other siblings don't have and she wishes he would use them and she says something along the lines of like a smile or a kind word could open up the gates of heaven um, which is interesting because what ultimately ends up happening <laughs> um, a rape opens up the gates of hell <laughs> um, yeah, anyway that's good insight yeah Tate storms off and says that he'll, he's never going to be the perfect son that Constance wants him to be um, and I think we get like we get him waking up in the morning to some heavy metal on his alarm and he like throws a few lines up and uh, does a few rails <laughs> and uh, gets his guns out. So we're assuming that this is also not, obviously it's 94. So this is probably the day that he's going to go uh, do the school shooting. Um, but what we learn is on the way to the school shooting, he stops by Larry's office and douses him with um, kerosene and just lights him on fire. Uh, so that is actually how Larry got his burns, not the version that we had heard before. Um, it's kind of poetic justice in Tate's eyes because Larry's wife, if we don't remember, she uh, burned herself and their two daughters uh, alive in the house. So, and then we cut to the credits. Right. Intense. And this is the totally intense. Um, this is the first of a couple of. Um, big reveals in this episode but i think that it's a it's a pretty it is an intense but like an eye-opening one definitely um because there's there's a couple things happening here right we obviously uh get the kind of origin of larry's pretty brutal wounds um but we also get i or I, i feel like we're supposed to be getting the inspiration for or the motivation behind Tate's actions at the school shooting, which had been kind of a mystery up until this point. You know, we talk about that a lot in the shooting episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, I mean, do you feel like that, that we're, what we're learning here is like, you know, his, his, him like hating Constance and, you know, feeling like Larry is his presence in his life and killed his brother and stuff is kind of what put him on this destructive path. That's, that's kind of the, uh, what I was getting from it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he. They mentioned his dad obviously left when he was six, but obviously he knows his dad is dead, or she doesn't know his dad is dead. But Constance knows that his dad is dead because Constance killed him. Um, but uh, yeah, we're supposed to kind of see a few things line up, like all the straws that break the camel's back, essentially, for Tate to finally get pushed over the edge. He's already a messed up kid, um, and this is supposed to be the trigger. Uh, that kind of sends him over seeing this fake family that is just, you know, like he said, it's all bullshit. It's a charade. This is not real. And he's done. And that breaks him. Mm-hmm. So the Larry situation breaks him. Right. Totally. Um, and, you know, that's a... This whole opening scene, I feel like, you know, when you, you see kind of the pleasant family dinner... Uh, totally stripped stripped away uh, I, th- I feel like it is a, is a very well done scene and one of my um i think the as far as cold opens go this season it's one of my favorite i think um 
Well, now diving in. Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was say you also have four of the best actors out of the whole crew um, in this scene: um, Jamie mm-hmm. and uh, Evan and Jessica and Dennis. Like they're all mm-hmm. they're all they're all always great in their shows. But when you have the four of them, there's no weak link really. They all they all do their characters really well in this scene, so it helps it helps carry it with the weight it's supposed to. And that's a great point because I feel like this is the first scene that we have seen larry uh interact with tate at all and that makes that reminds me that up until this point you don't really think about it but i'm not sure we see tate and larry in the murder house you know i don't think we see larry interact with tate's dead spirit i think you're right i thought about that too i was like i've never i don't think i've ever seen the two of them together that's interesting that yeah Hmm. which is kind of funny because you you got to imagine that tate is still pretty pissed at him or maybe he feels like now that he's burned him alive that he feels a little but then again tate Tate's memory of how things were when he was alive is is pretty foggy, so maybe he wouldn't yeah. even remember that he had done it in the first place or what had happened. Right. Um, it's a little bit hard to say. So digging into the meat of this episode, uh, we get the opening scene where Ben comes to apologize to Vivian, uh, but I felt a little bit with this, like, after he was such an asshole last episode, you know, if I were Vivian, I wouldn't be ready to forgive him quite yet either. Um, it seems like, though, his conversation with Luke opened his eyes to Vivian's claims of rape were actually true. Yeah, I think at this point, I mean, she she seems she's like, you know, like what finally sent sent you this down the correct path? Because clearly anything I said didn't convince you. Um, and he's he's apologetic about it. And I think she just wants to get out of there. So she's like, she's like, whatever. I don't think she's trying to get back together with him by any means right now and forgiving no. him. She's just like, you know, about time, like. Let get me out of here, like exactly. And um, this is also when Ben reveals the news that the twins are different fathers; that he's mm-hmm. only father of one of the twins. Um, and he tries to get some info from Vivian who the rubber man is. Uh, this is really the only glimpse we get of Vivian in this particular episode. Um, she kind of is staying at the hospital, although we get the implication she's going to be back soon because Ben uh, says he's found a way to get her out. He doesn't mm-hmm. say exactly how, uh, right. but he says that he's he's going to get her out of the, out of the house. So the rest of this episode I've divided into kind of the Ben, Violet, Tate storyline. And then the kind of Constance Travis storyline, I guess. Mm-hmm. So let's start, well, and Larry too, obviously. Yeah. So let's start with the, uh, let's start with the Violet and Tate one because it's kind of the, I, it's kind of the more important one, I think, of this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, that begins obviously with the truant officer stopping by the murder house. About time. To, yeah. To ask Ben about Violet, um, and we get the first kind of uh, hint that something is awry when we see this f- like swarm of flies on a bowl of what looks like pretty fresh apples. Yeah, so um, that's that's hinting heavily that, and those, if anyone's ever had maggots or blowflies, you know they love rotting meat, especially. So that's a big hint <laughs> that yeah. something's awry. Mm-hmm. And for the first time in a bit, we see Violet, because let's remember, I don't think she made an appearance all of last episode. It was kind of just right. implied that she was in her room. So it's kind of fitting now that we go back to, oh, she hasn't been to school in 16 days. Um, she claims to just not be feeling well, but Ben has been so, I don't know, fogged over with his own stuff that, you know, kind of like the absent father he's been all her life. Well, not all of her life. It sounds like he was there was a time when he was actually maybe a good father. But at least recently, yeah. he's been too obsessed with figuring out whether Vivian was cheating in this and that. Right. He hasn't realized she's been at home all this time. Again, this magical house where you can hang out and have guests and no one knows that you're there. 
Exactly. And so he finally channels a little bit of actual uh, fatherhood, uh, positive fatherhood mentality and talking with her and, and trying to get her to to attend school. And she seems to agree to that um, and is like preparing to go and rejoin the world again when Tate jumps up and, and grabs her, you know, continues to kind of prevent her from leaving the house. And up until this point, we've kind of gotten, you know, the way he makes it seem as if he's just like so attached to her that like he needs her there because he's so in love and they just need to, you know hang out all day long every day um so like who knows what they've been doing i mean i'm sure there's been some uh, we know they've had sex once so yeah they're probably so sure that's a, teenagers that's a, that's a part of it but six you know 16 days who knows what they've they've been doing with all that time well also <laughs> she doesn't yeah and she she well yeah we don't know the reveal yet but you know who knows how long she shows up and disappears for i don't know Fair point, fair point. Um, we meet Phil the Exterminator, who's coming to find out the source of the flies, which at this point Poor are like pouring out of the crawl space below through the wood floor, which is really nasty. Yeah. Um, and we don't see when he goes into the crawl space exactly what he finds at first. He clearly finds something disturbing because he starts screaming. And then out of nowhere, we have Tate pop up and shove that sprayer in his mouth and kill him. So Phil's body's down there too now, right? <laughs> yes. Like ben never realizes he doesn't come back out. <laughs> I, it was weird. I, I was curious about that. I didn't know if he was still. I would. I didn't know if that was for the um, the uh, quoting him a, a bid for the project, or if he was actually going in to do it all. Oh, he was doing it because he had his chemicals with him. Yeah, so he was yeah. done in by his own chemicals. Yeah, there's so many bodies that are littered around this house at, at any point that it's it's absurd that they wouldn't stumble across one or two. Yeah, and who knows? Maybe Tate asked some other. Folks to come in and chop Clean it up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Chop it a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, meanwhile, Ben is, maybe this is why he doesn't notice is because he's on the phone trying to uh, find a boarding school for Violet. Mm-hmm. But of course, Tate is lurking and hears this and he warns Violet that, you know, Ben is trying to separate them again where actually he's just trying to do a good fatherly thing and get her to somewhere where she's going to enjoy going to school because she said she wouldn't go to any of the local schools, right? Right. Um, Manipulative Tate, once again. Totally. And, and then we get a flashback to Tate in the rubber man suit himself, which appears to indicate at this point that like maybe he's going to kill Ben. And so here I have a little a little bit of question for exactly what was happening with this. Um, we see Tate show up in the rubber man shoot, suit after Ben is showering. There's like he wipes in the mirror and it's rubber man behind him. But apparently he doesn't quite have the same super strength he had when he was like killing Patrick and Chad. Um, he seems he seems strong, but like not as like but. He, I think it was with Patrick. He was like throwing him around the kitchen like he was like a rag doll. Yeah, and Patrick is a much larger man than Ben is, uh, mm-hmm. so I still find it really. I, I don't know. It's it was an interesting sequence, and Ben Harmon has the most formidable towel that he's just has wrapped around his waist that does not budge at all, which I can't imagine <laughs> happening. Not that we need to see more Dylan McDermott, but but that would be absurd. It's- that it is staple. It is staple gunned in yeah. place. That's right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he, he, he's still pretty strong. I mean, uh, Ben has the upper hand for a little bit there, but then, uh, yeah, I think Tate Rubberman tosses him into the corner into some furniture and finally gets that chloroform on him. Right, knocks him out. But this is what I was going to ask: is this is this the first exchange that we've seen a human like fight with a spirit in a way that actually like can inflict like physical harm on a spirit? Oh, um, yeah, because no one has really retaliated on a on a spirit or a ghost yet. 
with any success. Chad and Patrick didn't get it. Didn't get a hit in, uh, right. or Patrick didn't. I guess Chad was um, snuck up on. I think so. Yeah, because there actually seems to be some physical back and forth, and like you said, I think Ben gets his licks in a little bit. Mm-hmm. So interesting. Um, now, like, I don't think that we we figure out exactly what Tate's motive is here. Like, I I was going to ask what you what your interpretation was. He says over and over to Violet that he was just buying them time. He's buying them time, but it's not like she was getting shipped off. <laughs> Like that day, he was just asking about financial aid. <laughs> you know, he hasn't even applied yet. Um, and uh, I know. So that was the only thing I could get. And it was, I, I, I really, I wrote, what was the point of core forming Ben? And Tate just says, buying time to, so they, so he could get her to quickly commit suicide, I guess. Yeah. Cause she's going to find out that she can't leave the house. I was going to say, I think that's my best guess is that he wanted the opportunity to convince her to, kill herself before you know she found out like on her own and it became a disturbing thing which is obviously yeah. what happens and um, so if she heard about the school through ben ben probably would have been much more honest and said look it's got a i think was it like a chinese language program or something like that that uh violet was maybe interested like he, he actually was doing a, a decent job vetting a school that had some things that she might be interested in well but, maybe they would go visit it or something yeah 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 and then then she would find out so mm-hmm. he needed her to, quote unquote, die then. <laughs> so presumably, as soon as Ben is knocked out is when he brings the pills and razors to yeah. Violet um, and you know wants them to pull what he, he describes as a Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. Um, even though, you know, for our literature fans out there, let's remember that Romeo and Juliet did not intend to kill themselves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Thank you. Very good, valid point that people need to remember. Now, uh, but Violet is clearly not not having it and is realizing that Tate is being like bizarrely erratic. So she tries to escape, and that's when she is met with the horrible reality that she is already dead. Now we've been having hints about this for episodes now, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, she if we think back to the episode where she overtook overdosed on the pills in the bathtub, that was probably three, it three was, or four episodes ago. Yeah, it was episode six, uh, Piggy Piggy. Yeah, so it's been a while, um, and I remember watching through this season the first time. Obviously, we knew in our minds rewatching the season yeah. that Violet died, um, but I remember watching this the first time, and I feel like I was very like I feel like I remember being very surprised, and I feel like that's partly why this season holds uh, such prestige in my memory is because it had such good twists. Mm-hmm. Um, so related to American Horror Story twists, I have a fun question for you at the end of this episode. Okay. But again, it's one of those things where this is this is a pretty massive reveal, right? And it's sometimes a little bit hard when we're rewatching to like grasp the magnitude of it when uh, we already kind of knew it was coming. Yeah, I, I will say knowing this reveal was going to happen, the seeds that they planted along the way it feels like a very earned reveal. This is awesome. Like I remember watching this first time being like, what? Oh my God. Like, cause the, the, how they show it with her running through the front gate, trying to get a hold of someone, the people not noticing, but the dog barking, that was an interesting clue. And then showing up in the back of the house and constantly doing it. My first thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> you okay. Sorry. No, you're yeah. good. My first thoughts were um, like, Oh, she dreaming. Is she stuck in some sort of like, like, hellhole whirlpool type thing um 
but then your mind starts working like, oh wait, the people can who are who are stuck there and can't get out of the house or can't get off the property are the ghosts, and the and then the body reveal is just so. But I this is the the best reveal of the season. I think it was so well done, well thought out, well played. I wish other elements of the storytelling would would be so earned like this. Um, but I, again, this is one of the big things that made season one as strong as it was. I loved it. I totally agree with you. And it's I feel like heartbreaking, it was very too. Well, it is, and it was super well-planted over the course of all those episodes. Um, when, now when we look back and think of all the references that Tate makes and you know some of the things that other people in the house say, too, it's like it's all kind of, I, I think some of the, Constance kind of almost, I don't even know that Constance actually knows that it happened, but like some of the words they put in the characters' mouths are like things that as a, as a, you know, someone who's closely watching the show, you can draw the connections. Right. Um, it does make it all that much more powerful, but you're right. It's actually, it is quite a big reveal. And then Tate, you know, shows her and says this thing that like, I had the idea that if you chose that with me, then you would be less sad that you know, you died on accident, basically. Although it wasn't really on accident. It was more, I mean, it was, if we remember why she took the pills in the first place, it was it was because she was so confused from learning about Tate having done the massacre and him being dead, I believe. Yeah, he, she had just realized that all those people they saw down at the beach that followed them home were actually ghosts and victims of Tate's um, school shooting. And that was right. just, yeah, exactly. Tate wasn't who she thought she, he was and and frankly, he still isn't. Um, but he also reveals that in a way that he knows he's a ghost. Right. So I, I absolutely agree with you. I think this is this is probably the best reveal of the season and maybe one of the best reveals of the show. Yeah. Um, of Definitely. Season. Definitely. So now let's talk about Constance's kind of uh, side plot here. Um, you know, we, we begin with the police coming by Constance's house with photos of Travis's massacred body. Now they're calling him the boy Dahlia, I think. That's what she, um, the boy Dahlia. She's so <laughs> great in all these scenes. She's also, I forget how racist she is as a character. I know. I wrote, Come she's distraught. Well, I said she's distraught while articulating some casual racism. Yeah. Oh <laughs> yeah, my God. With, uh, what is it? They call it like the South side of, t- she's talking about the South side of town or something. Like yeah. That. She calls it the colored side of town. It's like, Oh God, stop. Mm-hmm. And of yeah, course, so our police officers are both people of color. Exactly. And so they want to know if Travis had any enemies. And that, therefore, leads Constance to go see our old friend Larry. Um, and initially kind of feigns wanting his comfort until she pulls a knife on him for participating in Travis's death. Which she didn't really know that he participated at all. But she figured he actually did it because mm-hmm. Larry has been in love with her for a very long time. Um and so he, he, Larry discloses that, no, he wasn't the one to actually kill Travis. He just kind of moved his, his body. Yeah, he must it was have, one of the ghosts um, in the house. And we know it's Hayden, yeah. um, who killed him really for, for no reason, um, yeah. which kind of makes I think just to see if she tragic. could. Yeah. I mean, he's a, yeah. he's a dummy. And he, he, you know, and I believe he died in the Black Dahlia episode. Or yeah, last episode, because they're trying to draw a parallel between the Black Dahlia and his character but it i don't know not as i I like the attempt um but the i would say the 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 sequence first of all lest we forget i believe constance shows up with t (laughs) to uh the the quintessential uh southern lady bringing t to hang out with larry um but she believes him when uh, he says it wasn't me uh and then he 
goes into divulging again how what we kind of got a hint at in the cold open which is she doesn't really love him and he loves her and he loves her and he knows she does and he knows she does uh but he i think he even says something along the lines of like i know you do love me like i love you i love you so much and as she's walking away she says that's your problem (laughs) yeah i mean this is the thing i don't love you i endured you (laughs) Oh, she's brutal about brutal. it. Brutal. Yeah, like she wanted the house back. She did it for the sake of her family. I feel I bad never for loved you. Larry. Why does Larry? This is my question for you. Like, why? How did she like bewitch Larry so much? Like, why does he? Why is he convinced that she's? Uh, I mean, she's not even nice to him. <laughs> I know. It might be part house with its influence, mm-hmm. but I don't know. Some people are just suckers for. There's one person that just they just. You have to you have to separate yourself from them completely, cut them out because you just can't like detach yourself from the affections you may have for that person. We've it's all had a bad breakup. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. And who knows? Maybe Larry, like maybe his marriage wasn't happy. Maybe he wasn't happy with his life in the house with his family. And Constance right. wasn't. It wasn't that he was that in love with Constance. It was that she represented something, you know, some beautiful. Uh, freedom that he didn't have or something like that. It's more like she had a symbolic value to him that he's never been able to get over, right? Yeah, that's a good point, yeah. So Constance uh, gets taken back into the police precinct because her knife falls out of her back in front of her. I cops. love this scene. It's so comical. It reminds me of something you'd see in, like, Scream. Like, yeah. Wes Craven, <laughs> love it. Totally. It's, it's supposed to be played as a joke because she's so like, leave me alone, and then the knife falls out right on cue. It could be seen as corny, but I thought it was a perfect little sight gag there. I loved it. Well, and like you said, a little bit of an homage, too, to kind mm-hmm. of uh, the horror, horror movies that are like that. Um, and, you know, at the precinct, she kind of waxes on about how she's the most aggrieved person in this whole city. And, you know, everybody's <laughs> against her. She's lost all her children. Um, but they kind of turn that against her. And they're like, yeah, you have lost a lot of people around a you. Lot. In fact, there's been a suspicious number <laughs> of deaths around you. Yep. <laughs> Um, and it made me think, like, it really does show us how devious and murderous Constance really is when you start to think about how many deaths she's kind of at the center at. It reminds me sort uh, of Carol Baskin. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, a lot of mysterious Carol, people Carol Baskin la- It's true. Carol Baskin lacks the poise of Jessica Lange, but I know what you mean. <laughs> um, we also learn here that uh, she fed her husband's body to the dogs, which is maybe... Uh, one of the differences <laughs> well yeah <laughs> it totally and it's maybe one of the reasons too why her husband is like not as present around the house as moira seems to be and, and you know is not begging for her to move the body off the premises that type of thing yeah i love it she's like my husband's nothing more than dog shit now <laughs> literally mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's great just Lang kills it yes she makes him into like ground ground husband <laughs> yeah she grinds him up <laughs> uh, so Harry Goodman, Constance's attorney, shows up just in the nick of time, uh, basically to talk to her about the publicity that's brewing around the boy Dahlia, um, and warns her of it getting pinned on her. Um, which is right when we like not long after we see Larry return to the murder house to start digging around in the walls, which is where he pulls Travis's hidden clothes from. And this is where we get a little kind of maybe final cameo from Travis, who's just pleased that he's getting his you know. Yep. newsworthiness uh similar to the real black dahlia um and he's also kind of pleased that he's made constant sad but he wants her to visit uh yeah. which constant should know that hey you know as as hayden proved to us humans can have sex with 
ghost. So ghost. Constance just go right over the murder house, and she's you know she's she's all set. Yep. Um, plus he'll he'll never age. Yeah. Um, this no, is I also where we get pregnant. No, no, <laughs> probably not. Um, this is also where we learn that Travis has been playing with Larry's dead children, uh, which I thought mm-hmm. I said like the makeup of his wife and children here is very disturbing. It's um, it's good. I, yeah. Yeah. Kudos to the makeup uh, and effects team for sure. I can't remember if it's the same person from the previous episode where we talked with the high school students who had been um, right. shot which was also really well done. Um, the makeup and effects team for the show is fantastic. Um, but it is kind of sweet to see like Larry's family, you know, I mean, his wife was cuckoo obviously cause she, you know, killed them all. But, um, his daughter seemed really great and, they, and it's sweet. It's really sweet to see Travis who is, who is always so nice to Addie also yeah. like, mm-hmm. have this brotherly relationship with two other girls now. Yeah, it's kind of some sweet closure on Travis for sure. Yeah. And we get this line from Larry's wife that says like, mm. you know, you're you like you're you're ready, you're on the cusp or something like that. When she said that, what did that mean to you? What did you I, think she was implying? I was going to ask you the same thing because we've heard that from something along that those lines um to other people in the show like when Moira when Ben finally sees Moira as her aged self. She says like something along those lines. Now you're ready or you've made it or something like that. So to me, back then, it signaled that we are going to see this character make an escape or evolve to the next level and get out of this. And they've gotten past what some of the other people who have lived in the house have not been able to do. Mm-hmm. For Larry in this situation, because he asks, like, why have I never seen them yet? Um, and I think it's because we're finally seeing him have guilt for his past transgressions which we know is true after this moment because of what he does next what did is that what you thought yeah totally i thought that what she was saying is like you finally are taking some some uh, responsibility for your actions basically um and you've got a lot you've done a lot of bad things and like you're what you're doing now is you're finally owning up and uh you know i think it's it's almost like he's gonna pay a kind of penance which you know, I thought that was going, I think at first I thought that was, I, you know, I feel like if we didn't know what was coming, what I would have assumed is that would mean, you know, maybe he's going to turn and, you know, make Constance pay somehow because she's kind of the one that precipitated this whole thing, even though certainly he had involvement. But of course we learned that he, uh, he took all the credit for the murder. Mm-hmm. Um, and he is being sent to a prison in Illinois where there's community theater. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, but so this I, I'm trying to remember I think this is probably the end of what we of, of Larry for us um, and the reason why he confessed is to pay, you know he, he says it all he says it to pay for his crimes and all that but then of course we end with kind of the final you know thing where you know it'll make it all worthwhile if you if if Constance says I love you to him um, but of course she denies him of that and at the same time it kind of makes it a little bit tragic because he never really learned his lessons after all you know what i mean it's he obviously he does you know pay for the things he participated in things he precipitated but he doesn't really he never he doesn't come to the realization at the end that um constance was kind of responsible for all of it i don't know yeah he gets like three quarters of the way there like he's almost there to like self-realization or self-actualization and what really would have been good is if he 
just gave Constance the middle finger and also pled guilty. And, you know, cause he, she, she does say like, like, like you did, I hope you didn't do this for me or did you do this for me or something along the lines of that. He's like, no, I did it for me. But what, but then he's, you know, I wish, I almost wish, it, I almost wish that he, I do wish that he didn't say like, tell me you loved me so I can get through this the whole time. Cause then it kind of walks back his actual act of saying he did it for himself right when he still has like you know he the self-actualization of his situation should have could have been much more impactful had he given her the middle finger and said like like you know you're nothing and like called her out on her bullshit and then walked into his prison sentence where he'll die you know but he'll at least atone in some form for what he feels like he's done um, and like left her with little guilt, but I don't think Ryan Murphy wants Constance or Jessica Lang to have to ever be like on the lower end of something. She always has to be on the upper hand or have the upper hand and putting him down and, and not giving him his final, like what a nice person would do and just say, I love you. This guy's never going to see, they'll never see each other again. She won't even give him that, but he shouldn't, his character shouldn't want that at this point if he's actually like come to full realization. So I was kind of bummed about that. Um, it, it's brutal, but yeah, well, it is. And I feel, I totally agree with you that I feel like it makes that self-actualization less clean. And so yeah. we are left a little bit wondering, like, how much was he actually doing that because he felt guilt about things? And how much was he doing it because he wanted to take the blame from Constance and try to, you know, get her to say I love you or, you know what I mean? Um, and maybe that's the intention is to kind of leave us up in the air and not it feel a little bit unsettled and not quite so clean. Exactly. But, uh, yeah, so um, before we... Well, actually, not before we let's let's first let's do our uh, ratings first, and then I was going to yeah. ask you a question after that. I loved this episode. I thought it was really great. The reveal helps because it's so strong, and I often get a little bogged down with violet scenes because I get so tired of teen angst. <laughs> um, but her flip flopping, which she continues to do, like "Oh my dad," "Oh Tate," "Oh my family," "Oh Tate," you know that is what teenagers kind of do. Like whoever they're getting manipulated by in the moment is what happens. I feel like Violet's a little, you know, one notch above most teenagers. She seems pretty smart and with it, and she's right. Some of these high schools aren't for her, and you know, but she wants she wants to, she does want her family ultimately to be happy. I believe, and Tate has manipulated her, and um, she realizes that sort of. And that's why the escape happens. But then he manipulates her again and it's frustrating and she'll get there. We know she gets there, but, um, but I, but it's, it's just, that story was great. And they, they really, it felt earned. Um, And then Jessica Lange's whole story was really great with Larry and Larry's one of my least favorite characters. Cause I just don't, I never felt invested in him and I love Dennis O'Hare. Don't get me wrong, but that character always felt so forced and, into the into the storyline of what's happening uh i i get the need for one other alive person who has survived the house in a way but he never felt like he worked with the the harmons and the uh Lang- langdons next door um we should have had more time with him or incorporated him a little differently and then this would feel better but because of the storyline if i just watched this episode i would think it's a great story and I believe that's because most of our time was spent with our core people and we didn't have extra, extra extraneous uh, ghosts coming in and introducing themselves. It was really about our core group again. And I loved it. So I would give this episode and the directing I thought was fantastic. Acting was great per usual. Uh, I would give this 
4.25. Nice. Four and a quarter. Rubber, rubber man suits. I very much agree with you that I feel like this was a bounce back episode. I feel like we were not huge on last week's episode and this one in a lot of ways um, with the multiple reveals and everything. Uh, it, it does a really great job. Um, and you're totally right about like actually making some of the scenes with Violet and Tate. Like um, there's more, there's more to them because they're actually leading to something, uh, which I think adds, adds a lot more value. And uh, I agree with uh, the, the scenes involving Larry too. You get some closure on that character and, um, maybe it would have been better had that been led up to differently. But in this particular episode, I, I think like, you know, even though it's a little, we're, we're a little unsettled on how, how things ended with him. Like we feel okay shipping him off kind of. Yeah. Um, the one thing that I, you know, comes to mind is we'd talked previously about how it would have been a lot nicer to, with the school shooting, get a little bit more context in advance. I feel like what would have been a, a good way to do it is if they had shown Tate like getting amped up to go do the shooting, kind of like we see here with, with that morning, he wakes up with a heavy metal alarm clock. He pulls the guns out. Mm. He is doing the lines. I feel like if we had seen him agitated previously before he goes and does the shooting and we think are thinking to ourselves as viewers, like what got him so agitated? What set him um, off? That would have been useful because then there would have been a mystery to what set him off. Whereas we learn it here, but like I, it, the way it's almost led up to in the school shooting episode is it's like he did this for no reason. Nobody knows why he did this. Um, and, and we That's do find out there is some motivation. You know what I mean? So I kind of feel yeah. like I, I wish that had been hinted a little bit. That said, I feel like that's more of a problem with the episode with the school shooting than it is with this episode, which I think is is really well done, really good. Agreed. I would give this a four and a half, I think. So that's, nice. that's a solid, solid rating for this episode. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, now that you mentioned that, that's really good. Um, I, I, yeah. And some of the, I mean, the actual scene, like, I don't know. Some of the scenes of, in the, in, in the episode when it was a school shooting, um, I'm, I'm blanking on the name of that episode right now. No, it, it was Piggy Piggy. Um, but uh, it's kind of like, almost like glorified. The actual scene in the library is terrifying and it just still doesn't sit. But like, I, I agree. Like if we'd seen him wake up in that morning and be like agitated already, that would have, I would have thought differently. It would have framed it a little differently. Mm-hmm. Um, and this would have been such a reveal of like what happened and to do it in a cold open is, would have been really cool too. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel so, like that's, it yeah. was a little tweak that, that they kind of missed, but if people otherwise, don't know, yeah. Like Tyler and I are very into story structure because we have to be for our jobs. <laughs> it's a fun thing to think about. Yep. Totally. Um, the final thing I wanted to ask you uh, was, so obviously, you know, Violet's death, we talked about it previously, is one of the potentially best reveals of any American Horror Story season. I was going to ask you if you had any other favorite American Horror Story twists of all time, uh, because we do have some others in seasons. Uh the one that came to mind for me... Spoiler alerts. <laughs> <laughs> the one that comes to mind for me um, as being a twist that was like intense and devastating, it wasn't even at the like end of a season, is in Asylum, when we learned that Dr. Threadson is bloody face, I feel like was a really good twist. Yeah. Uh, and that's that's one of, one of my other favorites of all time. Did yeah. you have any others that you uh, can think of? Um, I think... I loved, I mean, I don't know if it was really a twist because you kind of know what's happening, but in Roanoke, how they flip the script halfway through and they send everyone back, like, 
we know the first half of it, they're filming a reality show, but it feels so real that when they act, the actors actually go back. Those, I guess that's not really a twist. It's, it's a, it kind story. of is though. It's, it's just inventive story structure that make, I mean, we didn't know it was going to happen like it does. So I think yeah. that, that, that fits. Yeah. I, I really liked that. I thought that was really good. Um, I'm trying to think of any more. I keep coming up with the silent ones. I think one is when we learned Gillette McDermott is bloody faces son. Son. Yeah. Um, yeah, bloody face. Bloody face has got to be the reveal, and then and then the sun is also really good. Um, I mean, we, we get it depends what you consider a reveal, at, right? Because like we get yeah. backstory on Twisty the Clown, which is that like a reveal or is it just backstory? You know, but I feel like um, that c- that can be argued. But I would love to hear what other folks feel like are their favorite American horror story twists of all time, because you know after nine seasons, there's a there's a whole lot to choose from. Maybe. Like, what about that, um, I can't remember his name, uh, um, but uh, in in um, Hotel, when our main character ends up being the serial killer. Yeah, 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 the detective um, that's played by Wes Bentley. Yes, Wes yes. Bentley, yeah. Mm-hmm. John, I feel like it's John something now. Um, yes, that, that was a big reveal too, totally. And so there's... There, that. I don't remember that one being as powerful as some of these other ones. No, yeah. Um, Cordelia becoming the Supreme. That was really yeah, cool. Yeah, that, that was a good one. That was a good one. There, there's I guess these are more like... Yeah, some of those aren't really like twists. They're just kind of like... Well, in... Well, um, kind of. Was it in Asylum where we find out that um, the character who is uh, played by... Um, Uh, Carrie Fisher's daughter. No. Um, Billy Lord. Billy Lord. The character played by Billy Lord is actually the one who has like the secret power or is she's like the one who's like the dynamic force that is going to come back, right? Um, Is able to travel through time and all that stuff. Uh, I forget what they call her, but that's a good twist too is that like she she actually has a lot more significance than you realize when she's like the servant person. Yeah. Yeah, the assistant of uh, of Again, sorry, blanking on names. Our people are like yelling. Leslie, Les, Le, Leslie Grossman. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> totally. Yeah, so it's fun to think of. So anyway, if you have your so segue into that, if you have uh, listener, if you have your own favorite twist, please share them with us. Uh, you can send them via email at thisamericanhorrorstory at gmail dot com or comment on our Facebook page at this um, um, facebook dot com slash thisamericanhorrorstory. Or, as always, you can rate us and review us on iTunes and Stitcher. We greatly appreciate your feedback and your listenership. Uh, Chris, where can people find <laughs> you between now and next week? Uh, I will be on Instagram and Twitter, uh, at Chris Husted, Chris with a K. And please, everyone, be safe out there. We love you. We want you to all, you know, be safe. Uh, Tyler, where can people find you? You can find me on those same platforms at TJMoss11. And, uh, you know, as Chris said before, we will figure out what we are doing for Thanksgiving, if uh, when exactly we're going to release that episode. But it'll come soon enough. And in case we don't speak to you all before Thanksgiving comes around, we do hope you have an awesome and tasty and safe Thanksgiving. Um, there is going to be a Macy's Day Parade, so we can all be happy about that at least. <laughs> all right, folks. Until next time, happy hunting.